Diane. This is Agent Ryan. This is a recording of a conversation that the Vern and I had at the Double R Diner. So, uh, what can you tell me about Ashley? <laughs> well, not much. She worked for the Double R for only a few months, as I recall. Did she have any enemies or issues at work that you can describe? Well, she did like to flirt a lot with some of those patrons, and a few of the ladies didn't like that. She would flirt with her husbands? <laughs> no, not just that. Um, if one of us saw a guy we thought was cute, she would slither up onto him and wrap him little snake legs all over like it was a done deal. <laughs> How are any of us going to compete with a snake like that? What about the manager? We overheard some things said between them last time we were here. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. <laughs> I've seen them hanging out at the bar at the Bang Bang. A few nights ago, she was all over him. Was she sober? At the bang bang? You must not be from around here. They require you to have at least six shots of our wild bear hawk whiskey before they'll deliver any food out to you. Girl was drunker than Winnie the Pooh who loved his honey. She was high on something because I saw them two snorting some stuff as well. She was so gone. Frank, that's our manager, had to carry her around that whole night. Did you see them do anything else? Well... She was flirting with Frank a bit. Um, you know, teasing with those snake-like legs of hers. Men are so easily duped by pretty things with long legs. He kept trying to kiss her, but she would back him off. She clearly was uh, after something which I assumed was the drugs. And once she got her fix, she was basically gone, like I said. Is Frank here today? Oh, <laughs> no, honey. Today is his day off. I don't think he has anything to do with this, do you? Well, we want to interview anyone who has had a relationship with the victim. Look, Frank's not perfect, but he is a good man and a decent father. Yeah, he may have gone up to one-eyed jacks a few times, but I've never considered that cheating. It's not like they have real women there, just floozies and teases. Do I sense a bit of hostility in your tone? <laughs> Look, buddy, I've been where she was, okay? Back in the day, I was a hot thing around here. Back then, men wanted me. As I got older, my options dwindled, but a few guys out there still admired me. Frank being one of them. <laughs> you should question that boyfriend of hers, Robbie. He was the one supplying her with all those drugs. Look, I gotta get back to work. I set your coffee and left you a fresh pot at the table inside. Kitchen is closed, so there's no food today. Sorry. My name is Lisa Leahy. And I am Mark Passanelli. And with each new episode, we will leave the identification of our next title up to fate. So here are the categories. New release. Then we have the fill-in filmography. So the filmography has films from every imaginable genre. Lisa and I created our own separate list. The randomizer is going to pick one of these Doom movies that we have sworn to ourselves we would never watch. 
See, I take full pride in making sure that you have seen good movies. But the list of movies I have seen and can say I actually enjoy may even appall you more because a lot of them are actually on your list. The Sib List. Two siblings, four movie lists, one podcast. Catch us on your favorite podcatcher today. Welcome back, Agent Ryan, to hear the Double R Diner. I I hear you have feelings. Well, man, what's going on? Uh, whole family has COVID. I possibly have it too. It's fun. I love it. That it's is the why... best feeling in the world. Yay! I I sense that's why you have the mask on right now and you're behind uh, plexiglass. Well, the plexiglass is always there. The okay. mask, yes. But okay. <laughs> love my, I love me some plexiglass. So I always, I'm always carrying around a box of it so I can put myself in it and I just, just shut myself off from the world. I, I just thought you were a big fan of either The Bubble Boy with Jake Gyllenhaal or The Man no. in a Plastic Bubble starring John Travolta. There you go. That's the one. That was the one. Give me Travolta or give me nothing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, although it makes me want to, I, although I, I kind of would revisit Bubble Boy after I've seen Nightcrawler and Diet Darko, I wanted to see Jake Gyllenhaal and those other features. Just to see how it holds up. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. I've never seen the movie, but I can tell you it does not hold up. <laughs> Fair enough here. Uh, well, thank you for joining us for this investigation uh, into the Twin Peaks project. Um, still don't know what to take about what the manager said during the last statement about her boss, um, which is one of the head owners of the Double R Diner. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I trust her statement, but we'll see. We'll see. We got more people to investigate. We got to find out who killed our waitress Ashley. That's our one of our main goals. We're going to be finding out about as we yeah, reinvestigate. Yeah, who cares about this Twin Peaks crap? <laughs> Let's solve that damn murder. We should, and we're going to get into that soon because we have a lot more uh, suspects. Uh, we interviewed Lorraine, who is one of the top managers over here, but we still need to interview one of the owners of the place, this guy named Rick, uh, who may have had involvement with Ashley. So we're going to see. We're going to see what goes on with this, but uh, very cool. Uh, As we get into our um, case violence, we notice that uh, Laura's mom, Sarah, is, is describing what Bob looks like to Cooper and Harry. And in this scene, Leland is looking distraught uh, when he asks her to describe the visions that she had. So it seems that uh, Sarah's been talking about these visions to Leland for like a really long, long time. And Leland yes. is just getting really frustrated with it. Uh, Leland but, is having none of it. But Leland also seems to be having like visions himself in a way. I mean, the way yeah, that well, he's, he's having a full blown mental breakdown. Okay. Like he is fucked up at this point. He is beyond saving. And that was playing. He did some uh, quick water there. They're, this place is closed. I drink tap water. Um, but that would probably explain why he's feeling so distraught. I mean, the death of his daughter is a huge thing. But I think they're dealing with grief in their own separate ways, it seems like. Yes. She's dealing with it a lot better than he is. Fair enough. Uh, and then Sarah talks about this dream 
in which the gloved hand takes Lord Necklace away. And Donna is starting to look concerned because I'm thinking that she'll think she'll become a suspect mm-hmm. in this because they are the ones that originally took the necklace. Well, they took half of it. Half, half of the correct, yes, half of it. Jacoby has the other half. That's correct. Um, and then we get to our favorite segment of this whole series and what our audience is really coming here for. And that's the recap of A Reason to Love. Invitation to Love. Thank you. That's my invitation to love. <laughs> we actually get to see the show itself instead of just the opening credits. Yes. Yeah, we get a real snapshot of what the show is like. And God, I would watch this show in a heartbeat. I am such a soap opera addict. I would I would totally watch this show if it actually existed. So all we know is that Chet is being seduced by Emerald. And yes. I had to write this down uh, because Lucy describes this. So thanks to Jade, Jared decided not to kill himself and leaves his tower to her instead of Emerald. But uh, she found out and is trying to seduce Chet to get the will. That's Emerald trying to get the will so that she can destroy it. Montana is planning to kill Jared so that the towers will belong to Emerald and Montana. But uh, And I think Lucy... The receptionist at the uh, show station thinks that she will double-cross him at the end. Yes, it, it actually plays with a lot of parallels with the what's happening on Twin Peaks. And what will happen on Twin Peaks. Okay. That's kind of fascinating here, because I think that will, will come... I think something about the will will come into play yeah, when it comes to certain characters. It's a meta-commentary, if you will. I love that. Uh, and then we did Andy, and Andy is asking why he couldn't spend the night with Lucy... And Lucy just responds very professionally, doesn't call him by his name, just says, would you like some more coffee, Deputy? And I don't know Andy's last name, I forget that. Renan. Renan, yeah, Deputy Renan, would you like some coffee? So she's being very formal with him. Uh, Andy can't seem to figure out why she's doing this, why she's behaving this way, and neither do we. I don't know either. But there's some something happens with them that there's something's a certain... up there. I won't say what it is, but something's going on. All right. Uh, now we get to a scene with uh, Agent Cooper interviewing Jacoby. Uh, yes. Jacoby is seen sticking golf balls in his ears and then retrieving them from his mouth. Yes, doing close-up magic. What's it called? Close-up magic. Close-up magic. Oh, okay. I know there's a name for that. Okay. I learned it from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay. Well, very cool. Um, now, Cooper asked Jacoby if, uh, if Laura was seeing him due to her drug addiction. Um, and I felt like their whole questioning was just to see if Jacoby and Laura were having a sexual relationship. Yes, except he will always cite attorney-client privilege. Not attorney, but what's the proper thing? Yeah. Uh, patient Patient client privilege? I don't know. I think it's what it's called. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the confidential agreement that you can't share yes. information with the patient. The ironclad there. agreement between patient and doctor. Yeah. And I know Jacoby talks about Tibet and talks about giving ginger. And uh, Cooper says, well, ginger is not an addictive drug, or cocaine is. And I think that Jacoby is talking about Tibet and other things just to distract. The investigation? Yes, he's up to something. We don't know what it is, but he's definitely up to something. Um, but, but he did say that he did see a guy drive away driving a red Corvette 
which is Leo Johnson's Red Corvette. Yes. And that's the main clue that we have there. So, um, all right. And going forward, uh, Cooper then gets a call from Gordon, his boss, um, who first says... First appearance. First appearance of the great Gordon Cole. That's true. Except that, he's only on speakerphone. We don't only, actually get to see him yet, but we do get to hear there. him. That's true. Uh, now, I'll just pause right here. This is the voice of David Lynch. Um, this is probably the first time I've ever heard his voice. Yeah, same here. And the weird thing, too, is that uh, that's he's not doing a character of his voice. No, that's, that, that is David Lynch. That That is how he talks. That is how he behaves. That's the kind of language he uses. He's and, very much Gordon incarnate. And it's so weird and different to hear David Lynch, because when you hear him talk, he just sounds like the the best neighbor you ever had, like the very like clean cut, wholesome. Yeah, the guy who's always out he... mowing his lawn and waves to you as you leave your house. Yeah, David Lynch. That that's totally and you, but it's worth it too. When you watch a lot of his movies, you're thinking, "Wait, but here, this guy should be directing Disney movies. He should be hosting like the." But he did. He directed a Disney movie. He, he did, yes. He did direct the street story. The street story. story. That's, that's right. He did. He totally did. Uh, but he's the guy you expect to be hosting, like, Magic Kingdom on, uh, like, Sunday nights <laughs> on ABC. All right? <laughs> he should be one that... To I'm going to all... tell you about the castle. Have you heard about the castle? It's delightful. <laughs> My socks are on fire. <laughs> See, exactly. Some of that would just be absolutely... Yeah, epic and amazing, and he, he, he's just this wholesome, clean cut type of person. I mean, he's more clean cut. Who's that host from America's Funniest Home Videos? Uh, oh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Yeah, he's definitely he's the Bob Saget that directed Wild at Heart. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So that's very cool. Uh, uh, now he's saying something about the rope fibers uh, don't match. And, yes. And then that Laura had bites, bird bites, all over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing. But then Ghost Gordon also warns that Albert is filing a claim with the higher-ups to remove Truman's badge. Or to get yes, him fired. So Cooper is not okay with it. Yeah, Cooper says that he'll fight it all the way, and he's just very angry about it. And the key thing is that he says that, you know, the only thing that happened was that Harry didn't punch him sooner. And he tells Gordon, he's like, look, Gordon, you know how Albert is, all right? The fact that uh, Harry didn't punch him a lot sooner shows a lot of great character in yes. his vein right there. Because Cooper's like, I was ready to punch Albert, too, with that attitude he had. Because he was being very disrespectful. And as much as I love Albert, and I do, he's my favorite Twin Peaks character other than Gordon Cole and, of course, Big Ed Hurley, but the guy had it coming. Yeah. I mean, let, let's all be honest here. If oh. you were Truman, you would have punched him in the face, too. Oh, 100% I would have, yeah, especially when it has to do with, like, with my kid and my knowing, like, how Laura knew everybody and everything. It sounded like Laura Palmer grew up in Twin Peaks, but she was, like, a little kid, so she's kind of like everybody's daughter. Yeah, and I done? love that Cooper defends Harry because you can see that they're best friends in the making. Like, their their friendship is just budding at this point, but it will blossom into full bloom eventually. And I just love going back and looking at these these little isolated incidents and kind of see how their their friendship entwines like a tree. 100%. Uh, now, Cooper and Sarah 
are having the same vision of Bob. They both see the same person. So that was kind of a cool yes. notes right there. Cooper acknowledges him as the guy in his dreams. Yes. Uh, and he gets a call from Hawk, and Hawk found the one-armed man. Um, yep, Mike. Before we get into that scene with Mike, uh, we have a sequence at a uh, hotel where Mike is at, and where Josie is there in her car, taking photos of Catherine and Benjamin. And yep. Catherine is describing to Ben how she just fooled Josie to see the books she's manipulating. And she tells Ben that the real book that spells out bankruptcy is hiding in her desk upstairs. Yes, and she also talks about a plan of burning down the mill. That's great. Yeah, they talk, and they're going to try and frame Josie for setting the mill. Yes. On fire. Okay. Which is already tying into invitation to love. See, it's already blossoming here. You, you know, that's a good point. That's right. Shoot. All right, this is going to be exciting here. All right. So basically, it seems that now will uh, invitation to love show elements earlier. Then the elements in Twin Peaks, or will they show it later at the same time? Or I think concurrently. Concurrently, okay, all right. Um, so now I, I I'm a little lost in my notes here for the sequence when Cooper and Hawk talk to Mike, the one-armed man, because uh, Mike says he never knew Bob. Right. Did recognize. Although he did have a tattoo on the arm that he lost that said Bob. That was what but, I missed. But though. We don't know the name Bob yet, do we? Or I guess we do, but we don't know what that entails. We just know what this specter looks like, and we know the names Bob and Mike. Yes, that's it. Okay, that's true. Um, and then we get to a sequence where uh, Audrey is talking to Donna, and she feels that Audrey feels that she's going to be able to solve the murder because she thinks that if he does this, Asian Cooper will fall in love with her and take her away from this town. Yes. She wants to just uh, be that love life and, uh, you know, I, I would, I, if I was in Asian Trooper shoes, I'd be like, damn, you're only 16 years old. Damn it. Yeah, damn you're, you're only 16, but you look 33. Oh, I'm so <laughs> conflicted. Ah! But also was, was in she this 33? scene... I don't know. But she, she she looks like a she looks like a, a young woman. She does. Put it out. She's she does not, not like a teenager 16. at no, all. No, at all. No. Okay, good. All right. And I... at one point during that scene, uh, they mention One Eyed Jacks, and Donna says, "Oh, you mean that movie with Marlon Brando?" And obviously, that's what the reference is. But it's it's interesting to hear them actually comment on it because clearly David Lynch is a fan of old movies, and so is Mark Frost. So clearly when they came up with One-Eyed Jacks, they were referencing the movie that Marlon Brando directed. But it's interesting just to hear them actually call it out and go, oh, no, no, that's what we're actually talking about. All right. I I, I knew they recognized that, and I recognized Marlon Brando's name, but I had no idea what that movie was. But I assumed... The Western. It's really good. You should watch it. Okay. Well, sweetness. Does it take place, does it take place in a brothel? Uh, No. Is there a brothel in it? I believe so. Okay, all right. It's not like the most pivotal part of the movie, but I believe it's in there. But it's not a bunch, a bunch of like prostitutes get revenge on some nope. sleazy guys. Oh, damn it! That would be so nope. cool. Because I want a movie called What It Jacks, where they actually use like jacks to take out his eye. That's very graphic, Vern. I know, Why but do I want... you have that specific idea. I That's want strange. I just want a bunch of women to just attack this uh, this person. 
who's been totally rude and he decides to take advantage of a girl and they decide to take advantage of him and take out his eye with a jack. Well, whatever you want, Vern. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get it made. We have an inn in Hollywood. We'll get this movie made, no matter okay. what. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll get back to the uh, plot here in hand. Um, so they decide. So I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Audrey who mentions to Donna. Well, because they got word that um, one of the girls was working at the makeup counter at uh, her dad's department store. Yes, where Laura worked. Laura worked. She worked at the perfume uh, department yep, in she, the department store. Yep, Laura worked at the uh, Horns department store and the makeup counter, but also sold to that other girl who was found wandering, which I'm blanking on her name now. Ronette but, Pulaski, that one? Yes, that one too, yes. They were both working at the makeup counter, so Audrey decides that she'll try and get a job there to see if they can't find out more information about what happened. Little, little gumshoes. Little gumshoes. Little Nancy Drews. Little Nancy Drews, yes. Um, all right. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see what goes on with that. Um, and now... I want to go back to uh, Mike really quickly. Oh, sure. Yeah, please do. So his last name is mentioned as Gerard, which is a reference to the 1960s television show The Fugitive, where David Jansen was hunting a one-armed man. And the man pursuing him was Philip Gerard. Wait, wasn't that Richard Kimball? Uh, Richard Kimball is the the main character. Okay, okay, all right. Philip Gerard is the the U.S. Marshal tracking him down. Oh, okay. Well, I did so not... they kind of conflated the one armed man and and used the last name of his pursuer and made it into a reference that is now kind of as immortal as the fugitive. That's kind of that's really cool. I didn't even pick that up there, but that's pretty epic. I have too much time on my hands. No, that, I, I love that. This is epic. Okay, uh, so our next sequence is at a jail because uh, Norma is there for her husband's parole hearings. Yes, her shitbag husband. Her shitbag husband. And I had it written down at one point here what the hell that guy's name was. But, the actor? Uh, no, not well. Well, didn't the actor later, but the uh, guy who is her had the name of her ex husband. Oh, it's Shitbag. Shitbag. Shitbag Jennings. That's his name. Shitbag Jennings. <laughs> name by that. Name that by his mother and father. Uh, <laughs> the royal shitbags. The royal shitbags. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I guess to rehabilitate him, the parole board asks, you know, what is she going to do? And she says, well. Uh, she owns the Double R Diner, and she can give him a job, and yes. that they'll live together as husband and wife because they are still technically married. Poor Norma. Which I don't know why they I just didn't so divorce right then and there. Because she's th- an upstanding woman. She's not going to do that to anybody. She's she doesn't want to hurt anybody. She uh, just wants to be a peacemaker. No. Even she's... though you want her to punch him, you want her to punch him right in the dick. I think when those two got divorced, they should have just been nope, you're no longer together. That's it. You're, you're done. Don't have to worry about the shit anymore. You're over with. No one. You're done. That's it. No more of that. Right. Hate that. Hate that husband. Hate uh, him so much. Okay. So we got that. And then where was I going here? Hold on. Okay. Oh, okay. So the police team of Cooper... Harry and Andy, 
they go to the pet hospital that uh, Mike mentioned about um, to find a bird that bit Laura. Yeah, and there's a llama in the waiting room. Yes. And when I saw that, I was like, who in the Pacific Northwest has a fucking llama? That's just the strangest thing I think you could have possibly put in that scene, and perhaps that's why they they even set that scene in a pet hospital, so that David Lynch could tell somebody, I just want a llama in the middle of the room, and it's just going to stand there. But I think because this uh, area of Twin Peaks, this also seems to be a place that caters to rich people coming on vacation. I mean, uh, you had... They bring their llama with them on vacation. They pe- bring around a llama trailer on your car? <laughs> pe- there was a lot of rich people. I mean, come on, no. They had the Norwegians up to that hotel. Yeah, but they had to fly. You're not going to put a llama in a crate at the bottom of a plane. You don't know that. I mean, maybe oh, the llama came by boat. I know that for a fact. Because <laughs> I've looked it up. You can't take llamas on flights. Not flights, but... I, I tried. Can you... <laughs> You're like, come on, I need my llama. Like, but sir, that llama's been dead for five years. And I'm like, I don't care. I need it with me. It's my emotional rescue pet. You were trying to have the llama come on with you to this trip. And they didn't let you have a llama. I did. Board. How'd you know that? Be, well, I try to bring my dead llama around everywhere. But for some reason, nobody will take it. It's, oh, it's so frustrating. Well, I, They'll take I, three I, bags. They won't take my llama. It's ridiculous. I heard you complain to uh, our boss, Jason Soto from Rabbit Hole Podcast about it. And he complained to and me he said, that shut up, stop talking to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Please don't hit me again. <laughs> so he was talking about that over the bill over beers. Like, can you imagine that Ryan's trying to bring his llama with him? But yeah, Did you know that llama's been dead for five years. <laughs> glug 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 glug. <laughs> hey, what they say? He loves llama. You know what the hell? What do you want? <laughs> llama is llama. Llamas late. Llamas do what llamas want to do. All right. Um, all right, so they do that. Now, we did the sequence with uh, Bobby and Shelly. It's a very hot sequence. Very much Ooh, so. Very sexy. They're making out, and uh, Bobby tells Shelly that Leo and Jock were selling cocaine to Laura. Yes. And Shelly shows Bobby Leo's blood-soaked shirt. And Bobby takes the shirt and says, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. Um, just stay out, stay quiet and stay out of sight. Uh, and then uh, Shelly does show Bobby the gun. Rubs it on her chest and everything. Oh, it's very sexy. Very much so. And she says, will you teach me how to use that gun? And I was like, yes, but something else is about to go off very shortly. Oh... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Burn. <laughs> How could you? I'm being very. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. So, but I'm being very, very perverted. But being very risque. Very. <laughs> uh, very randy. But I would show. I would. I would. I, I would show her how to, you know, uh, you know, pop my lock and show her how to load my bullets. Yeah. Shame on you. Shame on you, sir. Imagine action. Yes. Fuck yeah. Oh, that goes nice looking. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, let me get back to... Yeah, stop getting distracted, dude. Ah, sorry. All right, getting back to... I should be thinking about this. Ah, damn it. Where was I? All right, my notes are everywhere. Oh, okay. So, the boys are... Oh, I should mention, too, which we didn't mention, is that during uh, when 
the cops were outside of Mike's place, Andy accidentally dropped his gun. Yes, and it went off. And it went off. So now the boys are going to give Andy gun lessons. And yes, in the shooting range downstairs. Yep. And while they're doing that, the tar- the Andy asks them about. Uh, well, I just Cooper figures out that there's something going on between uh, Lucy and Andy. And Andy just says, yeah, I, t- I can't figure it out. I don't know why she's not talking to me anymore. And all the boys say that women are just mysteries, man. We can't solve them. So why bother trying? We're just... Something dumb. they have to do with. They were made with different blueprints. Yep. Like that. that's generally what they're saying. Yeah. They're saying, well, I think just, that's what Cooper says. They're just wired different than us. We're not going to know. Um, but although Andy could just go up and ask her, hey... What's going on? What's up? Yeah. Why are you being but this way? But he's too shy, that Andy. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's sweet not, kid. He's not assertive enough. No, yeah, he's very much a sweet guy. What can you say? He likes, you know, he wants to be he's a sweet... He's a simp. Yeah. He's a little simp. Uh, but we do get a story where Cooper mentions once that he was in love. or um, Yes, he... and he had his heart broken. Had his heart broken. Uh, we don't get much details on that, but uh, he just to be very uh, angry with that gun of his... And very accurate. You know what my theory was? What's that? It was Diane. Oh. That's my ongoing theory, is that Diane is the one that broke his heart, and that's why he's constantly talking to her in the tape recorder, because he's trying to relive the relationship, but that's why we never hear back from Diane. You know, that's, that, man, that's, that's a good thing, because I've been trying to talk to our Diane for a long time, and she's never once returned our call. So, it's almost as if that's on brand. Hmm. <laughs> that's a different. Ah, we'll have to get into that later on. Uh, all right, getting back to where we were in our show description files. Uh, all right, so they're doing that, uh, and then Shelley is talking to Norma about the abuse. We're back at the Double R Diner. Sorry about that. Shelley's talking to Norma about the abuse she witnessed from Leo. And Norma says that her ex will probably get paroled and that he'll end up living with her, which yep. turns out to be very true uh, when the parole board calls up and he, that the parole got accepted very yep. fast, by the way. And I don't even know what the hell his crime was. Uh, wasn't it like hitting a vagrant or something? Like running somebody over on accident? I believe, yeah, they just kind of like fleeing the crime or something like that or... But he he, died, he spent like a long time in prison for that, so he must have... Well, like five years. It was a it was uh it was intent to hit someone. We're never gonna figure this out. We're probably not. Uh, but just someone seems he seems to be kind of shady, even though he says that it was an accident. I don't think it was an accident. No, there's a reason why his name is Shitbag. Shitbag. Okay. All right. Uh, but apparently, uh, he must have spoke German. At the pro board here, and, and the team was like, well, no one who speaks German can be bad. <laughs> nice. So, That's a reference for five people. That's <laughs> <so> true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing a lot of that during the show, all right? Some, maybe I'll do reference to somebody, maybe just one person. And that no, it be... says the Bart. Yeah. The. <laughs> oh, come on now. You, everyone should... If you're a 90s fan... Yeah. Go you're... back and watch The Simpsons, folks. It's good stuff. I mean, I, we're talking about Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and The Simpsons were in tune with each other, all right? 
they referenced Twin Peaks on The Simpsons. They did several times. Several, several times. Yes, very much so. I mean... Including the Who Shot Mr. Burns Part Two, where Lisa does the backwards uh, talking voice uh, in the in the Black Lodge. I'm pretty sure that whole uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns is very much an homage to Twin Peaks. Let's face it. Oh yes, it. that and Dallas. Yes, hundred um, percent. Okay, but oh gosh, Dallas, man, that could be another show to you know maybe Case Fowler to do because I'm pretty sure Twin Peaks is influenced by Dallas in a lot of ways. I think yeah, it's Dallas, Falcon Crest, Knots Landing. That's basically what Invitation to Love is, is all those shows. Okay. Fair enough here. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So at the same – so James comes into the Double R Diner, and he gets a call from Donna. Donna says that she has some new facts that she wants to share with him. Uh, but this is where James meets Madison, Laura's cousins. Yes, cousin Maddie. And it's from the first moment that James sees her, James is in falling in love a little bit because she looks very similar yeah. to Laura. It, it's Laura with brunette hair. Yes. And glasses. Which is probably my, oh my gosh, that's really hot actually. Like two Laura Palmers basically. One's a hot looking blonde. One's a smultry looking like a brunette. Oh, gosh. And Cousin Maddie is from Missoula, Montana, which is where David Lynch was born. Hmm. Really? Okay. Oh. Yes. And that that uh, that location will come into play later on in this show, so I'm not going to spoil it, because we're, we're discovering this as we go. Yeah. It does become an important kind of North Star for a certain character. Keep in mind, too, because Madison is one of the characters, sorry, Montana is one of the characters in Invitation to Love, so I'm going to see if there's any correlation between hmm. Madison and hmm. Montana. I'm tapping my cheek, yeah. concerned. <laughs> See? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see, every time my notes close here, I gotta go back and search where I was. Okay. Uh, so, Audrey um, is talking to Ben and asked to work at the Horns department store. And... Um, I think that uh, Benjamin would rather have his daughter work at the hotel. But yes, even though we've seen that she would be terrible at that job. Yes. She'd just be influencing Norwegians and screwing up entire uh, fleets of people. She would be, she'd be <laughs> terrible at any job, but she would be really terrible at the hotel. Oh, 100%. Uh, but she sees something that's kind of cool. Um, she sees uh, a photo of her and Laura that her dad has. Yes. There at the desk. And she's a little concerned, like, why does her dad have a photo of me and Laura? And why is it there? Right. Okay. Um, we get back to see where Andy finds out that the minor bird that was uh, leaving mar bite marks on Laura's shoulder was owned by Jacques, who is the guy working with Leo... Uh, selling drugs to the kids in school. Yes. Okay. And who works at the the roundhouse? Yeah. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yep. Uh, they go. To, it looks like the cops, like Cooper and everyone, they go to surprise him, but Bobby was already there to plant Leo's bloody shirt. Correct. All right. Um, Leo ends up meeting with Benjamin Horn uh, outside somewhere, and Benjamin 
wants to hire him to set fire to the mill. And it sounds like Benjamin and Leo have been involved with this drug trading business for a while. And there's a dead body there all wrapped up that Leo has. Okay, I kind of missed that. Who was that? They didn't say. He oh, they don't. pointed out, Ben noticed it, and Leo's like, oh yeah, that guy? Yeah, that's not that's not for you. Oh. Okay, so there's something else going on there. Okay, so Leo may have killed two people that we know of so far. Correct. Okay. That is true. All right. Um, all right. And then, uh, where was I here? Okay, so uh, Donna and Bobby just got talk about Laura's missing necklace. Uh, Bobby wants to go to the police, but Donna convinces him not to do it because she says they never loved Laura like you and I did, and we can solve this mystery ourselves. You mean James? My nose for brother. Sorry. Donna and James. I apologize immensely about that. Uh, but you should. But... You should apologize. <laughs> sorry. Damn it, Vern. I my... the whole podcast. <laughs> sorry about no. Oh. Uh... They, well, that's why I have you here, Agent Ryan. Okay, it was, it was James. I, all these assholes kind of look the same in the ways, all right? It's very... <laughs> that's it's... a racist way of looking at it. <laughs> all these white people look the same? What does that sound like? <laughs> hey, these whiteys do look a lot alike, all right? These damn honkies. These... <laughs> Sorry, right. I'm white, I can say this. It's okay. <laughs> I'm half white, so it's, I can half say. You did half say it, okay? You might. So I, these are honk. Honks. They're not honkies. They're honk. honk. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. So Donna and James talked about Laura's necklace, and James wants to go to the police. Donna says, "No, we didn't solve this mystery ourselves," and she says that I I love you, James, and I know that James loves Donna too. But James think about oh, Madison's here, but James, you play your cards right, you get them both. All right. Donna's a good-looking girl. <laughs> Madison died a bad chick too, you know. But Madison could be that, you know, friend on the side. Just make sure that those two are friends first. That's the idea. Make sure that uh, Donna and Madison become friends first of all. Even if they hate you, if those two become friends, you're 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 in there. Oh, just oh boy. Keep that in mind there. All right. Make sure that <laughs> if you try to do yeah, a three-way. Get in my memory bank. <laughs> Try to do a three. Yeah. Make sure that both you know, the girl that you're dating and the other girl you want, make sure that they're both friends. That's the key. All right. Uh, Good message for all the kids. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> you like two girls, get them to be friends, then you can hook up with both of them. <laughs> I'm not saying all the time, because sometimes that probably doesn't work out, but just saying sometimes. All right. So uh, now we get back to the sequence uh, back at the place where uh, Pete – and Josie and Catherine, they all live. I think Josie lives with them, right? That She does. Yeah, she lives there. Okay, of course. Uh, and Josie says, you know, I'll make you a chicken sandwich. And Pete's like, turkey I'll have a turkey sandwich. All right. Which she makes in like three seconds, by the way. Which is the best woman ever. All right. Yeah. She's beautiful. Make you a fast turkey sandwich. She's beautiful. Oh, my God. You got locked this in, man. I know, right? Marry that shit. Play with Catherine. Throw her to the curb. Get with this fast-making turkey sandwich lady. 100%. Uh, But the the episode ends, or the file ends, with Josie getting a call from Shipate himself. Well, first she opens up the mail. 
and it's a it's a charcoal relief of a domino. Oh, see, I didn't catch that. And then that. Shitbag says, I see you got my message, which I don't know how he knew when to call her for her to open it up, but he did, and then he's sucking on a domino as he's telling her this. So so Josie has, like, a charred piece of... A, a no, building. she has a charcoal relief, so it's a, a drawing, a sketching of a domino. Oh, a chart of a domino. I don't know what this means. I'm so confused. It's a it's a drawing of a domino. But that's all. It's just a drawing of a domino. That's it. Yeah, and then he's sucking on a domino as he's talking to her. Okay, something has to do with the domino, and that's what's got me kind of confused. Like she got this letter, and then she gets a call, and there seems to be some sort of like connection with those two. Like they know. Yes, there is. He sent it to her. Yes. And that's where our kind of file ends, is with that. So we don't know what's going to happen with uh, Josie and Shipaid. And we don't know what's going to happen with uh, James and Donna's investigation. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen more with uh, Audrey and Donna. Cause isn't Donna also trying to work at the Horn Department store, or is it just Audrey? I think it's just Audrey. Okay. So Audrey's trying to describe. So what's uh, I'm kind of curious what Donna's going to be doing in this investigation. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. We'd, I'm trying to find out. I'm curious about what's going to happen more with uh, Shelly and, you know, the, the Ed's Parley. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Uh, well, um, before we get going here, Ryan, uh, do you have any sort of, like, recommendations that you've been watching? I I do. Okay. So uh, I'm recommending this time uh, a a television series called The Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, okay. It is, it's an unjustly forgotten Spider-Man cartoon from the late 2000s that might, might stand as the best take on that character in all of mixed media, at least until Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, really? Okay. Oh. Into the Spider-Verse eclipses it, but up to that point, this is the best rendition of spider-man in anything even more than the raimi even more than the raimi movies yes even more than the raimi movies. wow faithful to the character than the raimi movies are i'm intrigued Uh, by this yeah every legacy character is well served and it's fairly serialized which is always a big plus in my book and clearly marvel studios was taking note by avoiding the character's origin and just kind of launching straight into the story so it's it's influential in its own way well, shit. Well, that's very well. Got your recommendation is way better than mine, because uh, the only thing that I'm slightly recommended um, is a film called Little Children. Oh, great movie! By Todd Love, Field. Lapita Nago? Yeah. Uh, Todd Field uh, with uh, Kate Winslet. Oh, I was thinking Little Monsters. That's Never Little Monsters. No, uh, Little Children had Kate Winslet and um, Patrick uh, Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Jennifer Connelly, directed by Todd Field, who before that made In the Bedroom. And, and I know... He just made Tar, which just, is outstanding. Which I do really want to see. So when I saw that previews for Tar, I saw that Todd Field was directed it, I thought, huh, you know, I'll go back and rewatch The Little Children. It's and, so good. And it's, oh my it, god, Tar is amazing. I loved it. That, that, is that the recommendation is Tar? Because I do really want to see that. 
that is my recommendation on an upcoming Reels of Justice episode. So I won't spoil that. Okay, but okay. I did love Tar. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, we watched Little Children, and I did uh, still enjoy that movie. Uh, Jackie Hurley Haley was great in that movie. Uh, Kate Winslet, also great. Jennifer Connelly, uh, all very great. Um, I totally forgot that the whole movie is basically narrated, which was a nice little element, but also kind of strange too, in a way. And I didn't like the way that the movie kind of abruptly ends. It, it felt like it just ended all of a sudden. I kind of felt like there should have been more happening than there was. But overall, it was good. Uh, if you don't know the story, I'll just real briefly, though, it's about this uh, couple, like this woman who feels lost, Kate Winslet's character, and she starts an affair with Patrick Wilson's character, uh, all set upon this backdropped of this um, sexual offender uh, come back who's been released from prison, come back to town, and there's a guy that's been harassing him, um, and that's all I'm going to say. But it's good. It's good. It's got solid performances all around there. Uh, and Leon Vitelli, uh, Krupert's main assistant, was one of the head producers of the movie. Oh, R.I.P. So that's very cool. Oh, he died? R.I.P. Leon. Yeah, he died uh, oh. like a month ago. Oh, damn. Maybe I know two that. months ago. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. rest in peace, man. I know that. Well, that's, yeah, R.I.P. All right, man. So those are kind of our small recommendations right now. Oh, shoot. Um, crap. We got Lorraine coming back here. All right, guys. We got to wrap this up. I got a business to run. And if all you are going to do is order coffee and pie, you got to move along. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, we're we're finished up really shortly. Right, Ryan? We're almost done here, right? Yep. Ashley. Hey man, what's going on? I have created something truly extraordinary. Oh shit, for real? What's that? It's called a podcast. Um, Vern, that has already been invented. Yeah, but our shows, Cinema Recall, we're going to talk about movies. Oh, okay. You know, like box office blockbusters? Yeah. Foreign independent films? Gotcha. Musicals and animation? Yeah, lots of people do that. S-rated adult flicks? Ew, Vern, no. What makes Cinema Recall different from the rest? Well, we will be offering great content with a wide variety of guests on both our podcast platforms and YouTube as well. Variety? Like it covers many different genres of film? Exactly. We want to be the show for fans of cult features like Howard the Duck to be friends with fans of big blockbusters like Spider-Man No Way Home. I still feel like so many other shows do that format. Yeah, but I have two very attractive and good-looking hosts. Burn, it won't matter if they're listening. Maybe they'll enjoy the banter we have with each other and special guests. We can even make a show that includes all lovers of cinema. From art house gems? And raunchy comedies. I like it. A show that celebrates all forms of entertainment. Cinema Recall is available everywhere you find great podcasts. The hell was that? It's our voice promo guy. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast and on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. Vern, can we afford to have a voiceover guy? We can't afford not to. He used to be a voice guy for movie trailers, but now he just follows me around and gives me movie trailer narration. That's really sad. What? Now we're giving him purpose in life. He now has a reason to go on. Check out past episodes at cinemarecall.net. Promise it's fun! (laughs) 